Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings for Allah be upon on all, all of our listeners. Welcome once again here in Drive Time Show. You're listening to Anika Rahman and I have joined by Dr. Tariq Bajwa here of London Studio, Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Bajwa. Uh, peace be upon you. Thank you very much. Jazakallah and uh, peace be on all our listeners who are um, here tuning uh, to the radio Voice of Islam. And I hope that uh, you will have, uh, you know, um, some something to to take home from today's programs because we are in, we are going to discuss two very very interesting topics. The first of which is uh, how to achieve the love of Allah, uh, and the second topic is about uh, Prophet David on whom be peace. So stay tuned with us. After one hour, we'll be uh, speaking on uh, Prophet David. But before that, you know the basic purpose of life which has been given by God Almighty in the Holy Quran is that the creation, that's a man who has been given the wisdom, he should connect to God. And uh, God Almighty has said in the Holy Quran, there's one verse which says, Man kana fi hazihi ama fil ama wa That one who has been blind in this world he will be raised as a blind man in the hereafter. Of course, this is a metaphorical term which has been used. It doesn't mean that somebody, somebody who is physically blind will be raised blind on the day of judgment, but what it means is one who is spiritually blind in this world, one who has not seen God with his own eyes, one who has not felt connection with God Almighty and has not been shown even a single sign of the presence of God Almighty, then he is like a blind person. And he would be, obviously, if he is spiritually blind in this world, he is going to be raised as a blind man on the day of judgment. So that's how it's important, um, you know, how to connect with God Almighty. And the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, of course, he was at the forefront of inviting people towards God. And he said, my purpose of coming, my purpose of being appointed at this time, um, uh, uh, this period of time is that one, I connect people to God. And second, I inculcate in them the sympathy for each other, for a humanity, for um, love for each other, for the creation of God. So these these are the two purposes with which he came to, to the world. And of course, how beautifully he has fulfilled both of these tasks. You know, on one hand, he says that my purpose of living is that I can do khidmat-e-khalq, that is, I can help the creation of God. And second, he said, is that to connect people to God. You know, before him, people used to be the saints, the people used to be the Sufis who would, you know, people would go to them and they would, they always, um, people thought that it is only through them that they can connect to God. But it is the unique um, sort of uh, uh, attribute of two, and uh, I think is uh, uh, credit to the promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi of the time who had come guided by the Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he showed the pathway towards Allah himself. And he said that you don't require anybody. All you need is to prostrate before God Almighty, 
pray to him and you will be connected directly to him. And he has shown the ways how you can connect to God. Uh, you're very much right. <clears throat> I think, Dr. Tariq Bajwa, I think this is the purpose of us coming to this world and God wanted us to connect ourselves with him. And, uh, you know, there are different ways to connect and, you know, to achieve Allah's love. And one of the important things which God Almighty mentioned in the Holy Quran, which is very right in the beginning of the Holy Quran, where God Almighty said that I have created you so you can worship me. Worshipping <coughs> is, is a necessity. It's a necessity in a way that uh, if you love somebody, you remember that person. And when we say that we love God Almighty, indeed, we remember that supreme being who has created us, who has given us everything. And to inculcate the love of God Almighty, we have to think the blessings which God Almighty has you know, upon, uh, showered over us. There's so many things. If you look around us, every single step we see that God is blessing and we pray, basically, we are showing great, you know, gratitude to God, towards the God Almighty, and we are grateful to Him, whatever He has given to us. As Dr. Tariq Baja mentioned, we'll be discussing the 10 ways to achieve Allah's love. We need to ask this question, does God love, love, love you or not? Do you, do you truly, you know, love Him? How can you, you know, ignite the fire of divine love in your heart? What steps should you take to you know, uh, magnetize the love of Allah the Almighty. Luckily, Hazrat Muslim Aoud has, uh, the second caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, has answered these immensely difficult questions and has provided, you know, practical solutions and steps to fall in love with Allah the Almighty so that, you know, he may fall in love with you. So in his own words, here are, you know, Hazrat, the, the second caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association has presented 10 ways to achieve Allah's love, the love of God Almighty, you know, which is taken from his speech. With the, the name was, you know, Taluk Billah, to have a connection with the God Almighty, which was delivered on 28th of December 1952 at, you know, annual convention in the city called Rabwa. Discussing the very first way of very, you know, he mentioned in his speech was zikr. Of course, as I mentioned in the beginning, the very first thing God Almighty even mentioned in the Holy Quran that you have to remember me, that remembrance of God Almighty. To repeat the divine attribute, or you know, in other words, the remembrance of Allah inculcates the love of God Almighty. In other words, you know, it is to recite Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar which is means all you know praiseworthy is allah all you know uh, alhamdulillah all uh, praises belongs to god almighty allah allah is the greatest in the same manner ya hayyu ya qayyum ya sataru ya ghafaru by naming god almighty we can call him we can remember god almighty and through when we you know remember god almighty through his names is most powerful and you know another there are so many uh, invocation which we can do we may invoke Allah's name and continue to recite His attribute, but merely invoking His name does not increase our faith, you know, or you know, or, or, or certainty. For this reason, you know, zikr is founded upon love that is based on, you know, arti artificially at the age of only one's mind accept Allah as holy, as the concealer of sins and extremely forgiving. Such a person does not truly have a genuine relationship with Allah the Almighty. But when we when he begins to recite Ya Ghaffaru Ya Sattaru, you know, a droplet of divine love begins to descend upon him. 
So it is akin to throwing mud in the air. You know, inevitably, some mud falls back upon oneself. It's like a manner, you know, artificial love can take the color of a true love. Allah the Almighty, you know, indicates towards this in the whole in the Holy Quran. First Quranias Kurkum, if you remember me, I will remember you. So basically, remembrance of God Almighty is very much important. It is very important to understand God Almighty. A remembrance, a true remembrance, cannot be done if we do not understand the supreme being of God Almighty. Why we need to, you know, remember Him? What He has given to us? Why we should pray to Him? Why should we? Why we should be grateful to Him? When we start thinking. When you start remembering, we'll see so many things around us where we'll say, yes, God has given me this, this, this. You know, every single thing, if we wake up in the morning, God has given us life. He has given us air. The sun is coming out. There's clouds. There, He has given us a food. The parents are there. God has given us so many uh, other provisions. So if we start counting, so we see that God has blessed us and automatically we have to remember him to you know have a love uh, for, for us a love for him so this means if you if we continue to remember him then you will eventually attain a status in which allah will begin to remember you i think it's very very important to understand that these words are not like like a parrot you repeat without understanding yeah. getting it deeper into the meanings of these words the words he mentioned is subhanallah oh allah you are pure you are clean you are uh, you know, there is no purity which reaches the level which you are, and nobody can point at you or raise a finger upon you that he has got such and such fault or such and such um, uh, thing is not perfect which he has made. So that is why, and, and God Almighty has shown in the Holy Quran, he addresses, and, and we said that, look at my creation. And then he says, look at each one of them. And then he says that, put your you know, gaze again on those things and see if you find any fault with any one of them. You will definitely not able to find any error or any, um, uh, any shortcomings in the creation of God Almighty. And that is why, you know, he's very, very rightly, he said, subhanAllah, that, that there is nobody as perfectly pure as God Almighty is. So if you remember, if you are remembering God Almighty, and, and when you start your prayers, particularly when you are saying your formal prayers, and the very first thing, when after Allahu Akbar, you say Allahu Akbar, that uh, God Almighty is the greatest, and, and your your attention is towards Him, then the very first thing you say is, Subhanak Allahumma, O Allah, you are pure. So when you are seeking God Almighty, who is very pure, who is very pious, who is um, who has no shortcoming, and here you are, um, you know, you are um, uh, sort of, um, you have loads of sins upon you, and the smell, the bad smell of the bad deeds are coming from you and the evils you have committed, and you are all um, uh, sort of uh, uh, um, merged into it. And then you are achieving or you are seeking the nearness of God Almighty. Now, you see, if, if somebody is stinking and he wants to see you, would you allow him to come near you? You won't. You would run away. You know, even, even somebody wants a lift on a car and you see that he's smelling badly, you won't allow him even into, his, into your car because you, you think that he'll become um, stinky. It will be... Um, so, 
if you want to come near to God Almighty, who is so pure, who is so clean, and you want, you seek nearness to him, so you have to purify yourself. That is the very first requirements. And when you are praying to God Almighty, Subhanak Allahumma, in fact, what you are doing is that you are seeking from him the purity of yourself. And you, you pray to him that, oh God, please purify me. I've got so many things which are, you know, which are uh, unwanted things which are attached to me. For example, there is shirk. God Almighty says shirk. Shirk is uh, something which is not liked by, by God. And uh, shirk is something which is dirty. So any thought of shirk means association with God Almighty. So if you are associating anything God, uh, with God Almighty, for example, you know, at a time where you were likely to be punished and you start telling uh, a lie, that lie becomes a shirk because you are associating that, you know, that lie with God Almighty that this might save me. Similarly, if you are you're likely to get a, a reward and you, you lie, then again. So there are so many different examples of, um, of the associating with God Almighty, giving the same power, giving him the same position to somebody else as that of God Almighty. So that is the very first thing you seek refuge of Allah from. And then you go on and you ask him that, you know, you purify me from... Uh, from the lies, uh, from, uh, you know, all the um, adultery, all the, you know, the um, mis uh, fornications and, and all, the, all the sins, basically, you want yourself to be purified because you cannot get nearness of God Almighty unless you have purified um, yourself. And it is only Allah who can purify you purely, who can purify your heart and you can you pray to him when you say subhanak allahumma that and and you go particularly you know those who are uh, who has taken oath of allegiance at the hand of the the promised messiah on whom be peace now he has given 10 conditions of bath that's the, the 10 conditions of oath of allegiance and in that he has specified the very first 3 conditions, they are all to deal with the purifying yourself from the sins. And he has mentioned all the sins and you are praying to him that I want to be you know, purified. I want to be away from these sins. And once you are purified, you know, Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih the fourth, may Allah be pleased with him. He he used to mention that, look, when, when you are trying to draw a, a picture or a structure, you you make a uh, first of all you make like a skeleton you make a picture and then it is later on that you you uh, color it so before you color it you have to make this beautiful picture and how beautiful it is um, is usually like like for example you are you are going to make uh, make a statue. And the, the very first thing you need is a skeleton. If you don't have a skeleton, no matter how much you try, you can't put uh, you know the muscles on it. You can't put the um, the, the different so like um, um, uh, you can't like apply the perfumes on it because it it won't work. You have to to start from the beginning, have the skeleton, then put the you know some muscles on it, then you put skin on it. Then you get the features, and then the future, when the features are there, then you beautify it, then the makeup comes. So the makeup then is 
where you are you attain a stage where you are able to be praiseworthy so the next word which is alhamdulillah alhamdu means all types of praise and complete forms of praise the praise to whatever extent it can go is for the sake of allah so anybody who does something good and is praised in this world is actually is a shadow of that praise because god almighty has all the praise so when you are repeating after subhanak allahumma after that you say wa bihamdika wa bihamdika when you say then then you are going towards the attributes of god almighty which make him beautiful because there is nobody more beautiful than god almighty and if he is beautiful and the, the beauty obviously attracts you towards itself that is in your nature because god almighty says that i have made you upon my own nature and god says that i love beauty so if god loves beauty you also love beauty and you are looking for that beauty that is within your nature that all the time you are trying to and you get attracted to any beauty any any kind of beauty you will get attracted to it it's a beautiful voice it's a beautiful face it's a beautiful flower it's a beautiful perfume you get attracted to it the reason is because they all they all remind you of the beauty of god almighty because it is inbuilt within yourself that you love god and you remember that god almighty it is in the back of your mind that you are attached to god almighty and that is why you get attracted to uh, to all sorts all sorts of beauties so when you say alhamdulillah that all praise belongs to allah in fact you are praying to god almighty oh god you have got all the praise but please enable me so that i can have or i can adopt some of your attributes so that i can also become praiseworthy so maybe it is it is a praiseworthy you don't want to become praiseworthy um, just in the sight of people but you want to become praiseworthy in the sight of allah the almighty like uh, i remember a verse of the holy quran where it says that when you pray uh, the superagoratory prayers at night that is tahajjud Allah, Allah the Almighty says that uh, you know aqim as-salata li duluki shamsi ila ghasqi al-layl wa quran al-fajr inna quran al-fajr kana mashuda wa min al-layl fatahajjad bihi nafilatan lak when he says that if you get up at night and say in the midnight prayers you stand up for the midnight prayers which is a nafila which is a nafal which is something which is additional then what happens is asaa'in yabasaka rabbuka maqamam mahmuda that it is very likely that you reach a status where god praises you maqam e mahmud means where your you are praised by god almighty so so that is the level which you should be thinking when you say wa bihamdika and then you go on and you 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 get to the attributes of god well, allah the almighty says wa tabaraka smuka that all his names they are full of blessings so any one of them you can think of and you will uh, you will start receiving the blessings of allah and that is why um, you know after the allah akbar of course god is great and that is that you give priority to god and nobody else now then then some of the attributes has been mentioned by hazrat khalifatul hazrat muslim aud the second caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community he says ya hayyu ya qayyum ya sattaru ya ghaffaru these are the four attributes of god almighty which he has mentioned and hayyo means that he is he is alive but not only that he is alive but he gives life 
so when you are you know in your own capacity as a human being you can't give life to anybody however as a shadow of that if you go and and you you take care of somebody who is ill who's likely to die um, if you take care of him and as a result he, he he gets life his life is prolonged he's looked after then you are shadowing that high um, attribute of god almighty similarly qayyum qayyum means that who, who sustains so god almighty sustains life also not only that he gives and leaves it alone but he also sustains life and he um, and then satars you know there is a common word in arabic uh, satar satar means something which protects you which uh, which covers you up and satar is from that 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 he the, is the one who covers your shortcomings so maybe in the in the eyes of the world you might be a very you know having a very high status very pious person maybe but he is the one who knows exactly where do you stand what is the you know what is inside your your mind you know at what time did you do you know either a, a shortcoming was shown by you uh, or the the decision you made was not according to the righteousness so he's the one who covers up all the time and that is his a great blessing from god almighty because otherwise uh, all of us we will be like uh, you know we will be naked and uh, we, you know and it is it is purely blessing of allah and here i remember a hadith of the holy prophet may peace and blessing of allah be upon him he said that you will go to paradise only because of the fazl of allah the grace of allah and someone of the companions asked you know is it for you as well and he said yes now just imagine that you know what status the holy prophet of islam prophet muhammad may peace and blessing of allah be upon him uh, how high a status was that he used to be loved by god almighty himself and god almighty has shown that he is my beloved and he said he has uh, insisted and he said that i invoke blessings upon him and you should also he said that not only myself but all my angels they invoke the rood on him you should also invoke the rood on him he was so beloved to him but he is saying you know that that even myself i will be i will go to paradise just because of the blessing the grace of allah um, and then ya ghafar is very very important attribute again ghafar ghafara again is the same thing with that it it covers you uh, you know um, uh, your sins and he is the one also who forgives your sins forgives your shortcomings so you need it all the time because you are a human being you are committing sins shortcomings uh, all the time and if you want to attain nearness to him one you should remember him all the time and particularly if you are thinking or pondering upon these attributes which have been mentioned here that he is akbar he is high he is qayyum he is satar he is ghafar and uh, god almighty has you know reassured by saying faskuruni askurkum that you know remember me askurkum i will remember you you know if you want that god god almighty should remember you when you are praying to him and you want that your prayer should be accepted he will remember you if you remember him all the time then he will be there for you when you need him and i think that's what we see and witness within our life that whenever we are in need when we whenever we are remembering god almighty askurkum he also remember us and you know he is there for us 
as Dr. Tariq Bajwa has very, you know, uh, beautifully mentioned the attributes of Allah the Almighty, Ya Hayu, Ya Qayyumu, Ya Sattaru, Ghafaru. When we are reading this, one of the things which I was mentioning that, you know, reflection, the second, you know, way the, the, the second Khalif has mentioned is the reflection, the fikr. Which means, you know, to attract divine love is to reflect and deliberate upon the divine attributes, which is Sufi terminology, which is called fikr. And it's very important when we are remembering God Almighty, when we are reading Subhanallah, that pure is God Almighty, Alhamdulillah, all you know, praises belongs to Allah the Almighty, Allah Akbar lies the greatest. We have to reflect and think and ponder that why these attributes are associated with God Almighty. When we do reflection, what happened ultimately, we'll have a gratitude towards God Almighty uh, within our heart. And that's actually where the love starts, where we see that what God Almighty has done for us. You know, imagine you know, that a certain individual is going through a jungle and uh, it is afflicted with an ailment which requires immediate operation. And if this had, in, in that situation, if the doctor comes in and, you know, uh, treats him and heal the problem or the ailment, then everyone will realize that this was not merely a doctor, but was God himself coming to save his servant. There's so many times we see in our daily life that whenever we are stuck or we are ill, we are in need of something, God Almighty provides, you know, somehow fix that matter. Sometimes he comes in the way of person in, 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 in the uh, you know, in the shape of a person who comes and who, you know, fix the problems. Sometimes God Almighty Himself creates such kind of you know situation where God Almighty give cure to that problem. And there's so many problems which we can recall in our daily life, if our, you know, in, in our da daily matters, in our, uh, you know, in our health or education. There's so many things can be said from provision God Almighty is providing. So when we start thinking, we start reflecting on God Almighty and the attributes of God Almighty, we'll see why God is, you know, pure. Why, you know, God, we have to praise God Almighty. Why God is the greatest. Why just looking, as God has mentioned in the, uh, in the Holy Quran, just look at the signs of God Almighty. God has created, you know, animals. God, God, God has said in the Holy Quran just to see how cow is, you know, giving a milk. How God has created a horse which which runs miles and miles and is not tired. And look at the example of, uh, you know, a cow which I've mentioned is, you know, eating grass and giving a milk is an ongoing factory. Which again, the signs of God Almighty, which we have to reflect, which we have to think that why God is the greatest. Over here, I would like to, uh, you know, run a clip where we will listen the uh, signs of a living God and then we will be back right after that. So, so it's basically the looking at the probability of uh, these things occurring, mm -hmm. it, you know, it suggests that there ought to be a God. Is that what you're saying? It leads you to, if you look at science, it can only lead you or the, the perfectness of this world, uh, the fact that, you know, everything is even in the galaxy is fine-tuned to the you know the minutest of details and in fact for example if the if the cosmological tangent is uh, fine-tuned to approximately 120 decimal places and if it was even one decimal place less the universe would have collapsed mm -hmm. on itself long long time ago so the fact is all of these uh, arguments as Ayasab also mentioned all the cause and effect argument 
all these arguments lead you to the point where you think that there should be a creator. And this is what the Promised Messiah mentioned as well. But the fact that will take you to that one step further and enable you to realize that there is a creator, that's communion with God and revelation. And we see that in the life of the Promised Messiah throughout. And a whole book is compiled of his revelations. And some of them are extraordinary. For example, I'll just mention one, um, the bubonic plague that was struck you know, in the late uh, 19th century, towards the end of the 1800s. In 1898, the Promised Messiah saw in a dream that he sees people planting you know, really horrific uh, looking trees, which are black in color. And when he asks, I'm just paraphrasing the revelation, when he asks, what are these trees? He says, the, the people respond that these are the, the trees of plague which will burst in the Punjab and overtake the whole country. So this is a revelation that the Promised Messiah immediately uh, published. Now, someone may say that we know from historical evidence that the, the plague actually was reaching India at that time anyway, because it had started in you know, somewhere along near China and it was moving its way down as the plague spreads anyway. But the fact is that something even more incredible happened afterwards in 1902, God Almighty told the Promised Messiah is a revelation that Inni that I will protect every single person who is in your in your household. Not just physical household, but your spiritual household. Now for the fact that in this time period, four or five years, not a single Ahmadi or a single person who ascribes or follows follows the Promised Messiah so is, uh, passes away due to the plague. It's quite an incredible uh, feat, especially if we know that the plague does not, it, it attacks at random. Mm. You know, the, the plague doesn't have a mind of its own that oh, I'll target all the you know, people who are non-Ahmadis, for example. And it, even if it did, that would be a proof of the existence it, of God too. Exactly, that would be <laughs> another proof. So these are just, that's just one prophecy that I've mentioned out of several hundred. And remember, at the time, the opponents of the Promised Messiah were looking for even the smallest amount smallest bit of ammunition that they could use against him so this is just that's one of the key that that point is key that for an individual to make a prophecy which is beyond the available data which is present in front of him to the extent that someone could say that this person has deduced certain events to make a prophecy for someone to make a prophecy which is above and beyond that to the extent that we have to admit that only a higher being gave him that information and then he publishes that in advance that's huge proof so of revelation the revelation is a key uh, method of deducing and, and ascertaining the or with certainty uh, that there is a, a living god so, so as you heard you know certainty is very important when we are uh, you know reflecting upon God Almighty and we are thinking that yes you know God is there as uh, you know the first way is mentioned for Skurnia Skurkum when we remember God Almighty and indeed he will remember us and uh, you know first of all we have to have very firm belief that yes God exists you know he is around us he is fulfilling our needs and indeed when we reflect upon him then indeed we can have you know a true bond with God Almighty. Yeah, in the, uh, you know, one of the verses of the Holy Quran I was just thinking of is that uh, God Almighty says, Allah Zina, these people, uh, people of wisdom, are the ones who ponder upon uh, upon what is happening around them. And, and they, they ponder upon Allah Zina, yaskurun Allah qiyamam wa qawudun. When they're standing, when they're sitting, sitting, wala junubihim, and when they are on their sides, they remember Allah. 
ਯਤਫਕਰ ਹੁਨਾ ਫੀ ਖਲਕ ਸਮਾਵਾਤ ਵਲਸ ਦੇ ਪੌਂਡਰ ਅਪਾਨ ਦੀ ਦੀ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਗੋਡ ਅਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਦੀ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਹੈਵਨਸ ਐਂਡ ਦਾ ਅਰਥ ਐਂਡ ਵਾਟ ਦੇ ਰੀਚ ਦੇ ਰੀਚ ਦਾ ਕਨਕਲੂਜਨ ਵਾਟ ਦੇ ਸੇਸ ਮਾ ਖਲਕ ਤਾ ਹਾਜ਼ਾ ਬਾਤਿਲ ਦਿਸ ਹੈਜ਼ ਨਾਟ ਬੀਨ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਿਡ ਇਨ ਵੇਨ देयर ਇਜ਼ एवरीथिंग हैज बीन बिल्ट एवरीथिंग हैज बीन क्रिएटेड विद अ पर्पस एंड देन व्हेन दे यू नो व्हेन यू आर यू आर जॉइनिंग द डॉट्स you come to the conclusion that how beautiful the universe and the universes have been made by god almighty and the ecological systems and everything what you look at you can't find anything more beautiful than the creation of god almighty and the the more importantly the thing is that you don't find any fault anywhere and that god almighty himself as i mentioned earlier has challenged that look at it again and you will not find a single fault in my creation so that's the perfect that uh, and it is only god almighty who can do that nobody else has the capability of doing that and and that's why you know when you realize that you have such a god and then when you call him when you are in need if you have been remembering him he will be there for you you just just imagine a situation where some somebody is in a jungle and is afflicted with an ailment which requires immediate surgery and if in this situation a doctor suddenly appears riding a horse towards him and treats him causing him to heal then everyone will realize that this was not merely a doctor but was god himself coming to save his servant so these are signs which magnetize one towards the court of allah the almighty and lift him from the ground towards his throne reflecting upon these signs inculcates love for god in man's heart so the reflection is the second um uh, sort of uh, way or the point which you can which will take you towards god the first we said that the, the first point was that you have to remember him all the time zikr and the second one is reflection and the third one of course is a compassion for god's creation and this is a very important one there's two ways you know where which are two fundamental teachings in the islam one is to fulfill the rights of god almighty and one is to fulfill the right of uh, fellow human being or the creation of god almighty so the third way is compassion towards you know the creation of god almighty sympathy and love for allah's creation and you know love humanity also <coughs> ignites divine love so if you treat allah's creation well in order to gain his love then allah himself will speak to you saying come be near me so you must imagine you know the creation of allah before your eyes and think these people are beloved to god almighty if i am unable to behold and experience allah the almighty then i will love his creation knowing that it is a source of gaining his love to love uh, you know to love the creation in such a way suddenly and rapidly ignites the fire of divine love and we look in the life of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessing of allah be upon him <clears throat> that where he loved allah the almighty you know more than anyone in a similar way he had a sympathy and compassion towards god's creation regardless if he was a human being or animals or anything he could feel the pain of everyone and one of the thing when he started preaching he wanted everybody to join islam just because he knew this is the way which we really take takes them or take us to god almighty this is the way which you know bring them from darkness and you know bring them in, into a light a spiritual light this is the way where they can find god almighty 
and on this when they has compassion and he wanted and he was you know a, a kind of uh, uh, was in grief for them god almighty mentioned the holy quran la allah ka baqi wa nafsa ka allah yakun mu'minin that while they grieve themselves to death because they believe not that you're grieving yourself they're not believing on god almighty because he had that much grief for the creation that he didn't want to see anyone you know going or staying in a darkness or face you know uh uh or 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 die uh in 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 darkness so you know while thinking that these people are distant from him and are means of unhappiness for him you know you are that's what golmati said you are killing yourself the intent of this verse is to convey how can i not love you when you are dying in grief at my people's condition so it's very important you know to have a compassion towards god almighty and we have to show sympathy and we see that whenever we do something good to others we see and we feel that allah taala you know god almighty comes near to us see one of the verses of the holy quran i mean in various verses of the holy quran god almighty has mentioned that who does he love mm-hmm. and he has addressed by saying that inna allaha yuhibbu and then he means he he has mentioned that what are those people so one of them is inna allaha yuhibbu tawwabin now tawwabin the translation of tawwabin is that those who turn to him so those who turn to him means that one you know they build a habit of feeling regret of uh, at committing a sin so as soon as something happens they start feeling regret and that's what happened with adam you know the prophet adam on whom be peace that as soon as he committed a sin or he thought that he had committed a sin he he immediately felt regret and and then he starts he he started um you know covering himself up doing toba toba means to feel regret and turn towards allah and and promise to him that i will not do it again so that is that is a sort of short form of tawwab bin that one who regrets committing a sin demonstrates that he has the feeling to perceive and recognize that which is ugly and wicked and if he can recognize what is wicked then he must surely be able to recognize what is beautiful so when one is able to attain this and he starts recognizing beauty then god himself reveals the pathways to his love for god is the greatest benefactor and is the most beautiful for this reason he has declared that he loves those who turn to him in allah yuhibbu tawwabina and and i think one of the uh, one of the very basic and time and again it has been um told by the holy prophet of islam prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him as well as uh, you know his servant and uh, messenger uh, prophet uh, ahmed hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed qadian who came as an imam mahdi and messiah the promised messiah on whom be peace he has also mentioned time and again that you know if if you want to attain the love of allah you should always be doing istighfar istighfar is the first thing he has always mentioned that you know that you seek refuge of allah to cover up your sins and to forgive you and the second thing then he he has said is that you should also invoke durood upon the holy prophet of islam because he was the very first one who fell in love with god and not only that he showed his love with his uh, uh, word of mouth but also practically he showed the love of god almighty to the extent that even his enemies 
who are the non-believers of Mecca, they would say they, that Muhammad has fallen in love with his God. You know, one of the things, <clears throat> Dr. Tariq Bajwa, you know, regret and repentance, repentance yeah. is, is, is connected in a, in a way that when somebody regrets he has done or committed a sin and he has done against the God's will, what happens basically, he come towards repentance towards God Almighty. He bowed down towards God Almighty and asked for forgiveness. You know, if somebody even not thinking about regretting doing something, how is it possible that he would repent? So when person is, you know, regretting whatever he has been doing for his whole life, then he turns towards, you know, repenting to go to God Almighty. One of the, <clears throat> you know, uh, um, saying of the Sayyid, the fourth caliph, I remember, where somebody asked regarding how, you know, to or, or when God Almighty show yourself upon you or, you know, you can feel that God Almighty will listen to me. So this, the fourth caliph has mentioned that whenever you're praying, the you know, the, the, to have a true repentance is very important. Repentance or istighfar, where you ask for forgiveness, it's a mean of, you know, you're cleaning your heart and you're preparing your heart so God can, you know, reveal himself upon your heart. So if you're not doing true repentance, if you're not thinking what kind, what kind of mistake you have made in your life, so if you have, you know, regrets, regrets can be just, you know, just thinking about it. It's just, I have regret, I have done this, I have done that. But true regret is something where you actually ask for forgiveness from God Almighty. And you start doing repentance, you are bowing down front of God Almighty and cleaning your heart, which is very important to God, you know, himself to, re to, to reveal himself upon you. You know, Tawabin, uh, Tawabin actually holds two meanings. And one, one meaning is he who repents. And secondly, tawab also means that a person who continuously enters Allah's court. So again and again, he turns to God, he enters. And when you are, you know, when you are visiting so many times, you, you become familiar with that face. Uh, even, you know, when uh, people are going again and again to, to one person, he recognizes him and he, he, he is sure that this is such and such person and that's why he's coming. And so obviously he would listen to him. And, and of course, the prayers is the fifth point that you attempt to instill certainty in their heart that nothing in their life can be resolved without prayer. Um, is one whose heart will attain love for Allah the Almighty. So whosoever is making that attempt and he prays to Almighty that I want you, I am in love with you. I want you. So he, time and again, he goes to his court. He asks forgiveness. And then he's he, repeatedly, then Allah will listen to his prayers because you can't reach him. He is much higher. He is not, he is not matter. You know, you are material. You can't see him uh, with your physical eyes, but you can see him with the with the spiritual eyes and you can reach him. So that's why it's important that that one, you, you regret, you repent, and then you turn to him again and again and again and again, and he, and he will be there for you when you need him. And he will listen to your prayers. Yeah, one of the things which we asked on Instagram, you know, there was a question asked by us, does, does regret bring closer to God Almighty? And 100% have said yes. So I think which we need to rectify a bit, you know, regretting is just, uh, you know, our feeling, it's, it's our guilt, which we have done. But the truth, your, your actual thing is a repentance or action, which, you know, bring us closer to God Almighty, where we actually pray to him and we make sure that we are you know, cleaning ourselves. We are doing a true istighfar. We are asking forgiveness of God Almighty and making a true change within us. Only then, you know, the regret would work. Otherwise, just regretting 
won't be enough. Yeah, I think you have to make a resolve. You know, yeah. you know this a new year is coming and pe- people make resolves. So you have to make a resolve that I will not do this again. I will not miss my prayers. And if it's one one uh, resolve, if you can make that and you can act upon it, that is what is going to bring you closer to God Almighty. And you, then you have to have a trust in Allah. You know, yeah. you have to have a complete trust in Allah that He is there. One, mm. second, that you trust Him that He can listen to you and He will uh, respond to you. Yeah. He will. Uh, he will because Allah the Almighty again here says in Allah, Yuhibul Mutawakkilin that surely Allah loves those who put their trust in Him, and that is why you know um, who sought and trust their affair to God Almighty and states, I cannot resolve this matter. Please resolve this. Allah fills their heart with divine love. So, so the love of heart. So that <coughs> was the sixth point that you yeah. have your trust in Allah. Um, and as is mentioned in the saying of the Holy Prophet as well, that if you think about God Almighty, then He will, you know, do something for you. He will do exactly as you are thinking. You know, if you are thinking that yes, God, you you can put your trust in God that God uh, is there for you. He will listen to you if you are praying to Him. He will change your life. Indeed, He will. If you think there is no hope. Then God Almighty says in the Holy Quran that you should not be thinking like that. So it is very important that we should have a full trust on God Almighty, and <clears throat> we live our life according to the commandments of Allah the Almighty to uh, uh, you know gain a true love. One of the thing which is one of the commandment is to act with justice. In Allah, you hibbul muqsitin. That is again where Allah says that who does He love? He loves, He says, who are just. So they are not fearful that you know if I, uh, if 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 somebody is my relative, I should favor him, or if somebody has an enmity, he has an enmity against him, he will do a favor to him. He does not care. He just cares that God Almighty will not be so he doesn't do anything that he god is displeased with him because then the whole purpose of his life is gone if if he does that so allah says that those it is a difficult decision sometimes it becomes very you have lots of pressures but you if you behave justly then allah will love you and how important is it nowadays we're living in the world what's not been done the people are not just injustice you know brings disaster upon <clears throat> any nation and we see that if you are just this is a very important it's not something where we can say is just is is a normal thing to being a justful is very important that's why god almighty says that surely allah loves those who are just so moving on you know the the eighth uh, way is taqwa you know make allah your shield one means to attain divine love is that one should try to make allah a shield in every matter and issue one should forsake evil not for the sake of it being evil but rather than allah's sake this is the definition of taqwa true fear uh, towards allah the almighty so when a person you know inculcates the habit of acting for the sake of another entity they slowly begin to love that entity it is for this reason that servants and you know workers love the kings royals and rulers they serve because they have inculcated the habit of working for their sake and serving them in like manner man should act in accordance with god's pleasure for example a person should say while giving arm i do not give this arm to that my standing in society increases but rather because god almighty has ordained that i give arms okay so i i think we just a couple of minutes left and and the last two points will become one is that you know you you uh, adopt the color of of uh, the attributes of god almighty because he says that nobody is better than than mm. his color and if you you are trying to if you love him then you will adopt 
the way he acts so he you will adopt his 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 uh, attributes like he is high he is mumit but he is also rabbil alamin so you you become rabb within your capacity you become malik within your capacity you become rahman and rahim you become beneficial beneficial and you become uh, beneficent and you become merciful and and you have love of the the other so you adopt the attributes of god almighty and then also one more important the 10th point is that you keep studying the nature of love because our god almighty says that i've created you fitratullah allati fataran nasa alaha that the, the the human beings are made um, he says he follow the nature made by allah the nature in which he has created mankind so when you look around yourself you will see allah everywhere because you know he is not physically available but the the site at the various you know scenes you see and um, you see the systems which are running so smoothly around you and then you remember allah and 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 that is what will will uh, you know bring you closer to allah and he will inculcate his love within your heart and and it is allah who can come closer to you because you can't reach him but he reaches you he looks at your efforts and he says wallazina jahadu fina that those who make an effort to come towards me, we show them the pathway, we show them, we guide them to come to reach, to reach me. And you're very much right. I think it's very, uh, I think, right verse to end the show that if we want to see God's ways that we have to strive in the way of Allah the Almighty, we have to, again, I just wanted to say again, just ponder over God Almighty, reflect you know, we should be grateful to God Almighty. We should be having that regret what we have done in our life. We should be praying to Him. We should be waking up for Tahajjud prayer. We should be praying all the, you know, Salah every day, five times a day. And we should be doing, you know, showing compassion towards humanity and following the commandments of Allah the Almighty. So may Allah enable all of us to do so. With this, uh, you know, we would like to end today's show. In Hopefully, we'll be discussing another topic in the second hour. So please do not go anywhere. Please join us in the second hour. We'll be discussing another topic and we'll be having some guests who will be, you know, giving us insight more about the topic. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome once again here in Drive Time Show. You're listening to Anik Rahman and I'm joined by Dr. Tariq Bajwa here of London Studio Voice of Islam. Today uh, we had first hour we discussed 10 ways of achieving love of Allah the Almighty. And in the second hour, we'll be discussing who have achieved or, you know, got the nearness of Allah the Almighty, one of the prophet, Prophet David, uh, and who's a prophet, you know, king of Israelites. Peace be upon him. So for this particular hour, we'll be discussing Prophet David and, uh, you know, in depth and, you know, was highly respected in all of the Abrahamic faiths and was the first prophet king of the Israelites. Prophet David, you know, consolidated the Israelite kingdom by uniting the various Israelite tribes and also extended its border. So join us as we discuss key events in his life from the Bible, Holy Quran, and one of the divine books, the Zabur, which is attributed to him. 
You know, when when this name comes in, you know, in your your mind as a Dawood al-Islam, uh, Dawood is is the Arabic, and David, of course, is, David, yeah. is said in the Bible, um, but in Arabic, it's Hazrat Dawood al-Islam. You know, you you remember the verse of the Holy Quran. The, the verse is chapter twenty-one, verse eighty, and it says, "And we subjected the mountains and the birds to celebrate God's praises with David." You know, this is this is very uh, sort of uh, interesting that his his voice, God Almighty, had given him such a voice, and then, of course, uh, you know, I'm sure that his um, not only his voice but the words he used to say in the love of God, and which, of course, are uh, you know mentioned in Zabur, which is which are the different hymns, the collection of hymns, the books which were revealed to him. And he, um, the obviously the subject matter which was he was discussing with God Almighty, and earlier we discussed, you know, how you can reach God Almighty, how can you can love God Almighty. He was the one example mm. of where you know he loved God, and and if you read that, in such a way he described the praises of God Almighty. That uh, you know, even the mountains and the birds, they they would stop and they would listen to him, and this is you know in in um, our Urdu and Persian language, it says that uh, somebody has a beautiful voice. Now it has become a metaphor that you say that he has got David's voice. So Lehne Dawudi, that he has got the voice of David, is because it is so beautiful. So he he was uh, somebody who loved God Almighty to the extent that you know he used to sing. Songs in his love, and uh, and then he would describe all the attributes of God Almighty, and uh, in such an attractive way that people would be int- uh, would be attracted to it, and then listen to him and what he is saying about God Almighty, and that was the one purpose that uh, you know because he he was one of the prophets from the you know the, the, which was originated from prophet abraham and he was obviously um you know he he was uh, one of those israelite tribes and uh, he had his his faith is the same as it has come from prophet abraham so of course you know um we are going to discuss an article which was published in the review of religion review of religion is a magazine that has been in print since 1902 and it presents islam in a rational light whilst also providing unbiased reviews on all other religions the article explores the circumstances of judaism at the time of prophet david on whom be peace and his impact and legacy on judaism and also seeks to confirm the identities of jalut and talut these are two characters um which obviously at the time they were the warriors who and it uh, has been described in relation to prophet david in the quranic account because the holy quran has mentioned these two characters as well and the role of prophet david in that because he was he was the one who was a prophet as well as he was a king and he was a not only a king he was a very powerful king and people still remember that you know he's such such a powerful and because he had uh, defeated the time uh, you know at that time the opponents uh, and uh, then he not only he established peace but also he ruled justly to the world so people are you know they they were in love with them even today you know if uh, uh, i have had the opportunity of visiting um, jerusalem and there is a tomb of david which is very very popular to be visited uh, outside you know sion gate if you go, you just go out there is a there is a tomb of david you can go and pray at his grave of course he was a prophet of god almighty and uh, of course there are blessings if you pray for him attached to it so before the advent of david 
Um, Judaism was uh, splintered into the kingdoms of Israel to the north and Judah to the south. So that was the division. The upper part was under, you know, they were called Israelites and the, and the, uh, the south were, were those who were following Judah. So this was the difference. There was little unity amongst these various Jewish tribes and more they had gradually diverged from their monotheistic origins by incorporating Canaanite deities and practices. So, so this is what happens with the religion that gradually, you know, at the time of the prophet, of course, they, the people are, are m- most close to God Almighty and they gradually, they go away from the teachings which that prophet brings and then that's why you, you see that uh, um, the destruction comes in and, and, and that period then, then uh, comes to an end. So Judaism far from being a uniting and powerful force, was a fragmented and failing cluster of tribes blickering with each other for land and worldly influence. And amid the disunity, Prophet David, on whom be peace, was born in 1040 before Christ in the town of Bethlehem, the same town which would host Prophet Jesus, on whom be peace, the Messiah of Judaism, a thousand years later. So, I mean, this from the timeline, you can see that it was a thousand years before Christ that Prophet David was there. So Shema, as being among his seven older brothers, one um, that has been quoted from Samuel um, 16, from 6 to 8, Ibn Qasir, who is a, a great 14th century Muslim historian from Syria, he has recorded that uh, his lineage, he has recorded his lineage back to Abraham, on whom be peace and cites according to a genealogist of the time, his full name as being, you know, this is the whole history, you know, they have traced right up to Abraham and says it was David, son of Jesse, bin Awaid, bin Eber, son of Salman, bin Nahshun, bin, bin mean son of Amenadab, bin Iram, bin Hasrun, bin Fars, bin Judah, bin Jacob, bin Isaac, bin Abraham. So it reaches Abraham, Prophet Abraham. So he was one from, uh, you know, Prophet Jacob and, and from the Jacob's son, one of the sons was, uh, his name was Judah. And from that Judah, this uh, David comes, belongs to that, uh, uh, to his progeny. So he was known as a great warrior and then he became king of Judah. A territory, this, this was, uh, Judah was, of course, as I mentioned earlier, that's the south of Jerusalem down to Beersheba and including Hebron. So Hebron, of course, is of course south to to Jerusalem as well. So in 1010 BC, at that time, the unifying king of Greater Israel, including Judah, was Saul. So this this the king was Saul at this time. This was in the context of trying to stop the attacks of the Philistines and the Goliath. Now the Philistines, of course, these are the Israelites. They were living in the in the north. The story of David, on whom be peace, he comes to life with a victory over Goliath. So, uh, who was from one of the Philistine tribes at war with the Israelites? You know, Goliath is also called Jaluth in the in mm. the Holy Quran. So, many Jewish scholars believe that the Philistines were not a single tribe, but rather they were a collection of local tribes as well as sea people from Crete and southern Turkey. So, if you, if you have geography in your mind, you see uh, that, uh, you know, Crete and, and Turkey to the south. Uh, so these tribes had been uh, raiding Egypt and the Middle East and had eventually settled at the start of 12th century BCE in the cities of Gaza, Ashdod, 
Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. They were also at war with Ramses III in Egypt, um, as this has been quoted from Shanks, page 86. They used the most advanced weaponry of their time. So in order to understand the situation in which David, Prophet David, on whom be peace, found himself, we need to turn back 200 years before his era to the original conflict between Israelites and Gideon and the forces of Jalut. Um, the same, you know, these are the Philistine um, tribes. So Gideon, Gideon was a mighty warrior, and uh, but also a spiritual man who wanted his people to return to the monotheistic belief in Yahweh. That's Yahweh is a Jewish name for God. So what he Gideon was a pious person. He was a spiritual person. He um, and he 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 has been named as Talut in the Holy Quran. And this was a person who wanted pe to bring people back to the unity of God Almighty because they had turned away from from this. And in an act of um, in an act reminiscent of a forefather Abraham, he destroyed the idol and altar of Baal. He, it was a regional pagan deity. Whilst reminding the Jews of their monotheistic origins and beliefs, this act also antagonized neighboring tribes who similarly worshipped Baal and sparked a battle with the uh, Midianites and their allies. You see, Midian, Midian is a place where, you, if you remember, Hazrat Shoaib al-Islam um, had met uh, Prophet Moses when he went there. He, he was running away, and this is Midian. Uh, so this is the place mentioned. So this, this battle, you know, the, the people were worshipping Baal at the time, uh, and, and th there was a battle with, in, with the Midianites and their allies at this place. So the Jews, they had a, a large army, but most were reluctant to fight. You know, that's, that's a beautiful story written in the Holy Quran. And, and there is a lot of discussions here that, you know, on their way there was a river and they were asked not to drink a lot, but they could drink just a little bit. And, and then those who drank and those who did not drink, they were separated by, uh, they, you know, Prophet David was commanded that you can separate those ones who had drank against these, his instructions. And they were separated. So, so again, in the Bible also, in, in the in the Old Testament, it is mentioned that um, so the Gideon brought brought the troops down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, so, um, "All those who lap the water with their tongues, as a dog laps, you shall put to one side. All those who kneel down to drink, putting their hands to their mouths, you shall put to the other side." The number of those that lapped was 300, but all the rest of the troops knelt down to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 that lapped, I will deliver you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go to their home. So according to this one, those 300, although this was a very small number as compared to the army he had, but those who did not uh, you know, behave or did not obey the commandment, you know, they were separated and, and uh, you know, God Almighty didn't care that they were bigger than bigger um, army was left behind or separated. Uh, whereas in the Holy Quran, if you compare this statement to the Holy Quran, uh, it's very interesting. The Holy Quran describes the battle between Jalut and Talut. And as I, as I, as I mentioned that um, the Jalut was uh, Goliath and Talut was Gideon. And then the intervention of uh, Prophet Daud, uh, Prophet David, on whom be peace, um, was as follows. And when, and this is this is from the Holy Quran version, and the Holy Quran says in chapter 2, verses 250 to 252, says, And when Talut set out with the forces, he said, 
surely Allah will try you with a river. So he who drinks therefrom is not of me, and he who tastes it not is assuredly of me. Um, except him who takes a handful of water with his hand, but they drank of it except a few of them, and when they crossed it. He and those who believed along with him, they said, We have no power today against Jalut and his forces. But those who knew for certain that they would one day meet Allah said, How many a small party has triumphed, triumphed over a large party by Allah's command? And Allah is with the steadfast. You know, this is the same verse which was also revealed at the time of the Battle of Badr. Come in fiatin qalilatin ghalabat fiatan kasiratan biznillah that many a times there's a small party has has actually defeated a large number of people and with the commandment of God Almighty, with the uh, with the will of God. So they, here again, this this is the same uh, verse. And and when they issued forth to encounter Jalut and his forces, they said, O our Lord, pour forth steadfastness upon us and make our steps firm and help us against the disbelieving people. So, so they rooted them by the command of Allah and David slew Jalut and Allah gave him sovereignty and wisdom and taught him of what he pleased. And had it not been for Allah's repelling men, some of them, by the others, the earth would have been filled with disorder. But Allah is magnificent for all peoples. So this is, this is the version which the Holy Quran describes. And of course, you see, you can see the difference between the quality, the wordings, the, the, the language which has been used. Uh, and it's much more, you know, of course, you see that it's the advanced form of the same message from God Almighty. So in these verses, Jalut, the Goliath, is not an individual, but a collection of the Midianite and Amalekite tribes described as Jalut and his forces. The trial of the water describes an incident in which the forces of Talut are asked to show self-control and faith in God before their trial against Jalut. Although reduced to just 300 men, Gideon, according to Bible, was successful because those few men were charged with a unique divine zeal. Interestingly, the biblical account is similar to the Quranic account in describing the incident at the water or river as a means of refining the army and identifying those with true faith from those without. The Quranic verse also proceeds to the later events about Prophet David on whom be peace, which we will explore in more details here. So, <clears throat> you know, carry on, David and... Uh uh, Gelioth having survived a lengthy war and internal strife in which the Palestinian had killed thousands of Israelites and captured the Ark of uh, you know, Covenant, sacred tablets of uh, the Jews. The Israelites desperately sought a new and powerful king, Samuel, the last of the judge, you know, uh, anointed Saul and uh, as the king. But despite battles with the Palestinians, you know, Palestinians, Philistines, Philistines. I, I don't know if it's the same, but... Maybe later on they have been given Palestine, this name, yes. but it is Philistines. Yes, Mobites. Mo Mobites and Ammonites and Edomites, the king of uh, Zabu and uh, Amalekites. So, which is mentioned in the Samuel. So, Saul and uh, his three sons were unsuccessful and died near Mount Gilboa. De Prophet David, on whom be peace, under persecution from Saul, who had been who had seen him as a rival, had previously fled to Gath and fought the enemies of the uh, Philistines. In pact with them, he later returned to Hebron to become the king of Judah in 
1003 BSE, after the death of Saul, he became the second and the greatest king of the United Kingdom of Israel. A position he held until his death more than 30 years later as king of Israel, the Palestines now saw him as their enemy and tried to attack him but failed twice. Since the ability of his troop had greatly advanced with divine guidance, the Quran also mentioned Prophet David on whom be peace having been given divine knowledge of how to make armor from you know soft, softening the iron. God Almighty says in the Holy Quran, remember David and Solomon when they exercised their respective judgments concerning the crop, when the sheep of certain people strayed therein by night, and we were witness to their judgment. We gave Solomon the right understanding of the matter, and to each of them, each of them gave we wisdom and knowledge, and we subjected the mountains and the birds to celebrate God's praise with David. And it is we who shall do all such things. And we taught him the making of coats of a, a male for you, that they might protect you from each other's violence. Chapter 21, verse 79-81. So the Bible described Goliath as Philistine giant, the champion of the army, whom the, the young and fearless prophet David Anubipi struck down with this you know, slant shot. When the Palestine Goliath drew near nearer to meet Prophet David, Prophet David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Palestine. David, Prophet David, you know, put his hand in his back, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the you know Palestine on his forehead. The stone shank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So Prophet David prevailed over the Palestine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Palestine and killing killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the you know, Palestine and grasped his sword, drew it out of its shield and killed him. Then he cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Samuel, uh, ch- chapter one. You see, the one of the, the, the one of the one of the questions has been asked by one of the listeners, and it says that, you know, what about those people who do not believe in God Almighty? You know, we are talking about Prophet David, of course, Prophet David. Um, they, they are uh, the Muslims as well as uh, the uh, the Jews, of course. They follow him. They believe in him. And um, so somebody who, who does not believe in, of course, you know, the one simple answer is that this is history. So if you go through the history, David was not only a prophet, but he was also a king. And still you can read the history, the achievements of Prophet David, how he gathered these people, how he brought peace to the land and how, you know, how powerful and uh, um, his status at that time was that people still remember him. And of course, in the Holy Quran, uh, he has been mentioned 16 times. His name has been mentioned and chapter 2, 4, 5, 6, 17, 21, 27, 34 and 38. So all these chapters his, and, and wherever, that's an interesting thing as well, because he had once son, his name was Solomon, Hazrat, Sul- um, Hazrat Suleiman, and there are great stories about Prophet 
um, Solomon, Hazrat Suleiman Salam, that you know he could uh, he could understand the birds speaking, and he had got all the powers, and they be, and there were so many uh, you know th- things were under control with him as well. So so this is this can be seen in the history. This can be read in the history. Uh, but of course, you know we have we've got the um, and the uh, versions from the the Old Testament as well as from the Holy Quran. That what that's what they have revealed. And of course, as a Muslim, we believe that the the the, the truth has been um, shown by the Holy Quran, and we have no doubt in what has been told by the Holy Quran about what happened at that time. And and you can see from the story the way the Holy Quran has told, although it has not gone into the each and every detail, but but. You know, um, as a as a whole, it gives the summary. This is this is what happened, and the important things, which which actually did matter. That what was important. One thing was that Prophet David was a prophet of God Almighty as well. So he brought people towards God, and that is one reason. And and then he stopped people, uh, you know, fighting. And he had a very very strong army, and he kept the strong strong army so that you know he can control um, the enemies of God. And he he brought people towards the unity of God Almighty. That's the most important thing because these people were had gone away from the unity of God and they had, they were believing in in various deities and he brought them back towards God so the incidents at the time of David prophet David on him we peace happened because of the weakness shown by Saul so Saul after his death uh, prophet David um, on whom be peace was given permission to annihilate the forces of Jalut because of their continued assaults and denial of God. Of course, these these are the followers of uh, you know, the Goliath who did not um, submit to him and did not believe in God. And of course, then he had to inhalate them um, to finish them off. So uh, looking at uh, Prophet David on whom be peace as a king of Israel, uh, in his new role as a king, Prophet David on whom be peace moved his capital from Hebron to Jerusalem, taking the ark with him. He united all of the Jewish tribes into a single force and restored a single Jewish faith, worshipping the one God, Yahweh. Yahweh, of course, is the name of the Jewish God, and it's the one God which we all believe in. This proved to be a wise decision. Jerusalem was centrally located and not associated with his old kingdom of Judah, nor the tribes to the north. So Jerusalem became a new neutral city through which all the tribes could be united. So one of the significant verses which have, have been mentioned in the Holy Quran says, and I started with that, is that, and we subjected the mountains and the birds to celebrate God's praises with David. Now mountains, again, of course, mountains do not think. So the, it is a metaphorical language used here. The mountains means that the, the strongest people at that time who were like mountains and, and the birds. Birds are the spiritual people. So not only the spiritual people, but also those who were worldly, strong people at that time, they also united him. They joined him in the praises which, uh, which he, he, uh, you know, he used to sing the songs in praises uh, of God Almighty. So, th- so that's why this is, this is what is mentioned in the Holy Quran, that all types of people joined him and, and he had a very strong force at the time. But this verse is not to be taken literally. As I mentioned earlier, the Arabic terms used for mountains and birds can be interpreted as great men with the power and strength of mountains and spiritual men who ascended great spiritual heights. Some commentators have suggested that Prophet David, on whom be peace, literally gained control of mountain tribes around the city of Tyre. 
Nevertheless, the verse is likely to have the metaphorical meaning described above. So, in both ways, you you can understand in whatever way. But he was, uh, or, uh, the, the you know, the crux of the matter is that he was a very very strong um, king, and he was also uh, you know a, a holy man. He's prophet of God, appointed by God Almighty, and uh, of course uh, you know he was singing in the praise of God in such a beautiful voice that, you know, Zabur, which is actually, it was revealed to him, although it is not a Sharia book, it's not a, um, a book of law, but it has been, and nowadays it's difficult to get the Zabur, but it is, uh, it has become a part of the Old Testament. It has been mentioned in, in, in the Old Testament. But I, I think that the importance which, which uh, we give it to is because the the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, uh, on whom be peace, he has mentioned Prophet David at various uh, places in his uh, writings, in his books. He, he has mentioned Prophet David and he has always praised him for his uh, love of God and, and the way, you know, he, he expressed not only that he, he expressed his love for God, but he had an insight and he knew about the prophecy of the Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, coming later on. So he has mentioned, it is, it is in Zabur it is mentioned, and, and, the, and the wordings which was used was Muhammadim. Muhammadim was a prophet, prophecy about uh, Prophet Muhammad coming on, and it's also mentioned that he will come with the 10,000 companions. So that is that is very important that, you know, it is mentioned in Zabur that uh, he had prophesied and he knew about it and he has shown such great love of that Prophet who is going to come, Prophet Muhammad, and he has wished that he was at that time and he has expressed his love time and again in, 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 in Zabur. You see that he had fallen in love with the, with the Prophet who would be a great Prophet who will be coming later on uh, following him. So, as you were mentioning about Prophet David, <clears throat> again, he was a great warrior and God was with him. And, you know, Prophet David, on whom be peace, led his armies to combat injustices and defeated the Moabites and uh, Ammon Ammonites and <clears throat> Edomites. So, these are the different tribes. They yeah. have been named after their leaders, you know, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. So, so he defeated everybody who was, you know, coming to yeah. combat to to fight with him. And he grew his united kingdom from the Dead Sea to the south up to the bend of the Euphrates, Euphrates covering Syria, Lebanon, and parts of modern Iraq. One example of his superior judgment came when he needed to appoint a chief priest. As with his choice of Jerusalem, he also appointed two priests. Uh, Ab Abiathar uh, descends from Moses on whom be peace, lived in the north, and uh, Silo and Zadok, descended from the Aaron, lived, uh, peace be upon him, lived in the south and uh, in Hebron. This was again a wise decision as it prevented region, you know, factions uh, from forming during such a troubling time. While being aware of the needs of the various tribes, he had also proven himself to be decisive and ruthless in key policies, such as when he sent to send an army to utterly destroy the Edomites. At the same time, he allowed the Palestines to retain a token presence on the coast. Prophet David on Umbi Peace was also able to build strategic alliances with the uh, Phoenicians and other tribes with whom the Israelites established successful trade links as in mentioned in the Holy Quran. 
In chapter 38 verse 21 God Almighty says and we strengthened his kingdom and gave him wisdom and decisive judgment. So this was describes his attribute of strength, wisdom and judgment. It was in his reign that Israel reached its zenith due to his vision, religious conviction, leadership qualities and his ability to dispense justice fairly to all people under his leadership. Thus it was during the reign of Prophet David on Ombi peace that through its spiritual and secular development Israel enjoyed its golden age. You know you mentioned the name of Hebron. Hebron was the capital, you know, he had formerly he had the capital Hebron and then he he moved to Jerusalem. Now Hebron is is a is a town where you can find the graves uh, it was it was the town of a prophet abraham himself so so if you, even if you go today you can find the graves of prophet abraham his wife sarah also the graves of prophet isaac and his uh, wife rifka and uh, also the graves of prophet jacob there so this is this is a holy place this is uh, you know it's it's, it's uh, um, because of these great you know he, uh, great prophets abul anbiya that's the father of all the prophets you know her prophet abraham is there so very blessed place and um, so still um, you can go and visit these prophets and uh, and it's about you know uh, about palestine it is said that it is the land of is a holy land it's called holy land because everywhere you go you you see that some some prophet had been there and they have been walking around there so it's very very interesting that uh, you know just talking about uh, prophet david he is the one it was his throne basically and later on you know prophet um, solomon uh, hazrat suleiman alislam he took over and of course he increased his uh, the strength of his kingdom as well and uh, of course his wisdom and uh, his decisive judgment of course is uh, very popular and is uh, well known so as as is mentioned in, in this verse you mentioned that it had reached the its peak and it was the golden age uh, for both spiritual as well as the secular development of israel at that particular time so talking about zabur you know you mentioned the uh, the holy book um, which is a uh, you know revealed to to prophet david hazrat daud alaihi salam uh, prophet david on whom be peace uh, is also portrayed in the holy quran as a great spiritual leader um it's about prophet david and as i mentioned earlier that he has been his name has been mentioned 16 times in the holy quran so that's that's important so you can see that the the holy quran has given him um in the holy quran uh, prophet david on whom be peace is described as being given the zabur Zabur this is the the psalms you know the true divine revelation so that has been mentioned chapter 4 verse 164 hence according to islamic tradition it would be incorrect to claim that he wrote the psalms through his own authorship so it's not his own word it is the revealed words that's what the bible names his scribe as uh, jehoshaphat um i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly jehoshaphat as uh, from samuel 2 um chapter 8 verse 16 who recorded these revealed verses and poems for the wider jewish population the arabic name zabur is similar to the hebrew names um as zamir or zimra zimra means song and mizmor means melody which could be used to describe the psalms in the holy quran the zabur is described as one of the revealed books of the jews alongside the torah of moses and the injil that's the gospel of jesus on whom be peace so all three of these are elements of the modern bible supplemented by letters and other historical texts incorporated into the bible 
at various stages of history. So it's all historical. You know, somebody who doesn't believe in, you know, in, in, in God Almighty, he can still read the history and he will come to know that this is what happened actually at that time. And this is only, you know, it's only uh, is a thousand years before uh, Prophet Jesus came. So if you can find the history of Jesus, then you can also find the history of Prophet David and what happened at that particular time. So the Holy Quran repeatedly mentions the Psalms and even quotes them. And, and Allah the Almighty says, um, And already have we written in the book of David after the exhortation that my righteous servants shall inherit the land. Ard, Ard means the land. So it's from chapter 21, verse 106. Interestingly, this verse validates the authenticity of the Psalms. As Psalm 37, verse 29, the Bible reads, The righteous shall inherit the land and live in it forever. So again, this is from Psalm 37, 29. In the modern Bible, at least 73 of the 150 Psalms are directly attributed to Prophet David, on whom be peace, although older Bibles lack a lot of these references. 13 also carry additional contextual information before the Psalms, describing the events when the Psalms were written. Prophet David, on whom be peace, was known for his beautiful singing voice when reciting from these psalms. Let's have a listen to the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community's detailed answer to what is the meaning of the Quranic verse that says, and already have we written in the book of David after the exhortation that my righteous servants shall inherit the land. Let's uh, listen to that. Here Al-Ard can be treated uh, in two ways, or in fact uh, in three ways. One is generally the land, the earth. And this is a phenomena which has been mentioned elsewhere in the Holy Quran repeatedly that after a prophet came, the control of the land was shifted from the hands of those who rejected those prophets to the hands of those who followed. This is why, this is how Justice was preserved until it was again destroyed by, by the people themselves. This is a general common rule. And in this respect, when you say Allah, it means earth generally speaking. In another way, Al-Ard means the particular land in context with a particular situation. For instance, Al-Ard could mean Pakistan as well, where a special situation has arisen. People are uh, usurping the rights of some people who claim that a true prophet from Allah came, his messenger came and they have uh, um, accepted him, have faith in him. That is the only crime committed. And they also claim that this prophet is entirely and completely subordinate, does not speak a single word from himself, but says what was told to him by his master or by Allah in the Holy Quran. By master I mean Ahazur Sallallahu Despite this clarification, atrocities are being committed against Ahmadis. So Al-Ard as a principle means anywhere a land, a piece of land, a country, a region where people are deprived of their rights 
of equal citizenship only for the crime that they believed in the a messenger of Allah, they would ultimately be handed over the charge of that land. Not directly. How, what does it mean handed over the charge? Not in the temporal sense. It means they will win ultimately, their message will spread and that message will capture the whole people and their imagination so that ultimately they will be the owners, they will be the successors in that sense, not in the sense of uh, any, any political victory that, that is not mentioned. But ultimately it amounts to the same thing. If you, uh, if the majority of a, of a country, country's population adhere to a certain religion, then they become victorious anyway. So through that process, ultimately the lands are inherited by Allah's chosen ones. Now the third is Al-Ard, the land of Palestine, or Arzasham, as Hazrat Masim has mentioned. Now Palestine and Syria, in fact, are one and the same thing. If that is the question, that is that may be, I mean, uh, the word Syria may be bothering you why he has used Syria against Palestine. People forget that uh, geographies are not fixed things. They change with history. There is a present geography and a historical geography. So when you speak of Sham, it does not mean the present, the country which is contained in the present boundaries. It means Sham known to the religious world, a world in which various prophets appeared and Palestine was a part or a central part of that Syria. It was only recently that it was taken away and three countries were created out of one, Lebanon, Palestine and Syria. Previously it was not the situation. So, means that this land is particularly dear to Allah because so many prophets came here and ultimately the prophets who appeared here gave birth to the best of prophets, the pride of prophets, So this land will also be ultimately handed over to his pious and chosen people. Now this is a promise as well as a direction, as well as an instruction. If you really want that land, be the chosen ones of Allah, because soul is not going to win you that land. If you become the chosen ones of Allah and behave in a manner that Allah begins to love you, then Allah says, it's my job then. I'll change things for you to your advantage and ultimately you will become the inheritor of this land. Very beautifully, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him. He was, you know, he, he has actually given the solutions even to the problems which we're currently having is that, you know, what you need is to become pious, to become the uh, the favorite of God. And if you are in the sight of God Almighty, you become better. 
you you become his beloved then you know nobody can stop you getting your own land and you can return to that land so so the solution is that you turn to god almighty you change your behavior you you um you accept the one who has been sent by god almighty who brings the message of peace to the world and uh, and of course you and then you will be achieving what you you want to achieve one of the you know very beautiful <clears throat> saying of the holy prophet uh, peace and blessing of allah be upon him recorded by imam bukhari one of the companion of the holy prophet peace be upon him he said that uh, you know recorded tradition and narrated by abdullah bin amir in which the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the most beloved fasting to allah was the fasting of the prophet david on whom be peace who used to fast on alternative days or alternate days and the most beloved prayer of allah was the prayer of david who used to sleep for the first half of the night and pray for one third of it and again sleep for six of it so this illustrates another side of prophet david on whom be peace or his character for while he is often you know uh dip, um what do you call so for, for while he is often you know depicted as strong as brave his spiritual devotion here is considered exemplary his reciting of the zabur is described here as the most beloved prayer so you know before we conclude today's show let us have a listen to the fourth caliph once again of ahmadiyya muslim community response to the following question was the zabur david's book of law So we listen to it we listen to it and then we will be right back the zabur uh, is only for daud or for many prophet zabur is uh, which prophet you mean daud alayhi salatu wasalam zabur in fact is not a book of law yes zabur is a book of hymns and praises of allah and uh, general Um, admonitions which can be in fact inferred from and some prophecies but it's not a book of law david follow torah the five books of moses law and he did not bring a new book of law nor did jesus christ peace be upon him so zabur after the after david peace be upon him was uh, a book highly respected and uh, um, i should say every prophet that followed not only respected that book had no difference with that book that was exactly in accordance with his own views and his own teachings and it did not one did not have to follow the book because every other prophet also followed torah and whatever was expressed in the book was as if the entire expe- desire of every prophet that followed like somebody praises hymns of ahmad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and there are hundreds of thousands of such people who have done so so you don't have to follow them because they have said it in their own word and you say that in this in your own words and every person who sings the hymn of ahmad sallallahu alaihi wasallam sings it in his own way So there is no question of anybody else following him. He gives expression to his love, and you also give expression to your love, and there is no difference of opinion. That is all. 
So prophets which followed David, peace be upon him, had no difference of opinion with what was said in Zabu. That is what we can say. But they did not follow him. They were all independent of each other, those prophets. But were followers of Torah. That was the overriding teachings which they could not violate. So now you have, you have listened to the answer, was the Zabur's David Book of Law? I hope um, you have got the answer. Now, as we were discussing Prophet David on whom be peace, it's a time, of course, to, dis- to conclude today's show. And, uh, you know, we will discuss a little bit, uh, you know, the later days of the Prophet David. Prophet David Onumbi Peace died in 1970 BSE at the age of 70 in the city of Jerusalem and on his death he passed his kingdom to his son Solomon uh, Onumbi Peace. The tomb of Prophet David Onumbi Peace lies just outside the Zion Gate in Jerusalem. So much folklore has involved around Prophet David Onumbi Peace. However, it is indisputable that the United that he united the Jewish tribes into a single kingdom, ruled with strength and justice, and restored the Jewish monotheistic faith to its origin, spiritual level. This would not have been possible for a purely secular ruler, so there is no doubt that he was you know, bestowed with the divine mission. A thousand years later, the Jewish Messiah, Prophet Jesus, Anumbi Peace, was born both as the Son of God and of you know Davidic descent his followers claim that he was born in Bethlehem although this may have been recorded in the bible in order to reinforce his credentials uh, as being from the Davidic family line many other notable figures have claimed their lineage back to prophet David on whom be peace including the Ethiopian emperor Haile Selassie I and uh, Memorialized the great 12th century Spanish philosopher of Andalusia. There is no doubt that all notions of a great Jewish no- nation and a state originate from this time. With this evident is a cycle of history. What is evident is a cycle of history. The Jews and their nation of Israel always prospered when they became spiritual and acted with justice, equality and mercy. This is apparent when they escaped bondage from the Pharaoh in Egypt and repelled the Palestines and later at the hands of Cyrus the Great. But whenever they moved away from their faith and became tyrants, ignorant, ignoring the severe opportunities to change, God gave them over many decades. Their lands and power were taken away from them, as happened notably at the hands of Persian and Romans. So just getting on to the conclusion today's um, show, of course, uh, you know, a very, very interesting um, knowledge about Prophet David uh, and, and not many people are familiar with the, you know, the story of the, the Prophet David, of course. They have read the verses of the Holy Quran and and what what is mentioned and he's famous for his uh, Zabur, the hymns uh, he had and, uh, of course, uh, that he had such a beautiful voice 
and people remember that. And even there is a is, is a metaphor, you know, that somebody with a good voice would be said that he has got a voice of Daud or uh, the David's voice. So he's a beautiful voice, but he was a great um, king. He was a great prophet, and he loved God Almighty. He loved the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, much, much before. Um, you know, he came to the uh, Prophet Muhammad had arrived, but he was expecting him to come, and he had written in praise of him as well. Uh, so he was he was uh, a prophet. He did not bring any law, as you listen to the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He has detailedly, in detail, he has described that he did not bring any law. He was not a law-bearing prophet. He was just as Prophet Moses, um, you know, um, um, who Prophet Moses, of course, was a law-bearing prophet, uh, to, to whom, um, you know, Hazrat David Zabur was revealed, and Zabur is is the book of David, which is not uh, a, a law. It is just uh, uh, revelations from God Almighty, which uh, contains all the hymns and the songs about the um, beauty of God Almighty and in love of God. So very little is known today of Zabur uh, or the revelations of Prophet David. In the Hebrew Bible, there are many psalms, uh, psalms are the sacred songs or hymns, which have been attributed to David, which may constitute part of Zabur. So I, I think this is a very, very interesting topic we have discussed today um, about Prophet David, and uh, I hope that many of the listeners, they, they would have benefited out of that. And, uh, of course, um, I have learned some of the things which were, um, you know, I didn't know before, and um, about the history, what happened at that time, and he was there a thousand years before Prophet Jesus, and, and uh, of course, the Holy Quran praises him and that's why you know as we believe in all the prophets one prophet david on whom be peace uh, is one of the great prophets and we love and we believe in all the prophets and of course uh, along with the other prophets we also um, love the uh, the prophet david uh, on whom be peace uh, and in fact uh, you know we don't leave any of the prophets we believe in all of them and such great was this prophet who was also a king of the israelites Indeed, with this, uh, we would like to thank the producers of today's show and uh, the technical team working behind the scene. Uh, indeed, they have worked hard to produce uh, today's show and it was very uh, informative uh, to, to learn more about Prophet David. So, with this note, I would like to thank all of our listeners as well who has listened to us and who have must have uh, you know got something new or learned something new from uh, today's show as we mention <clears throat> every time that uh, you can of course visit our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk or you can tweet at voice of islam uk and call on 0208-687-7878 so we'll end today's show uh, assalamu alaikum peace be upon all our listeners